The left decries anti-Asian hate, but only when they believe the culprit is whiteness. And the left's racist vision of equity infuses America's government and boardrooms. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Don't let big tech track what you do. Anonymize your web browsing at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Alrighty, so the news of the day remains this horrific shooting in Atlanta. According to USA Today, authorities on Wednesday said a gunman suspected of killing eight people, six of whom were Asian women at three spas, may have frequented the business, but that it was too early to determine if the shootings would, in fact, be considered a hate crime. At least four of the victims of the Atlanta area spas shootings were women of Korean descent, South Korea's foreign ministry said on Wednesday. Two others were of Asian descent, police said. Atlanta Police Chief Rodney Bryant said it was too soon in the investigation to say whether the shootings were, in fact, a hate crime. He said, we're just not there yet. The suspect, whose name we won't mention because we don't mention mass shooting suspects' names to give them the attention that they seek here, was charged with eight counts of murder Wednesday in all three shootings. Four of the counts against this person are related to shootings at the two spas in Atlanta. The other four related to shootings at a spa in Cherokee County. The shooter has not been charged with a hate crime. A specific charge authorities must prove a crime was committed on the basis of race, color, gender, disability, or sexual orientation. He purchased a firearm on Tuesday, the day of the attacks, from a sporting goods store in Cherokee County. The shop's attorney said the clients are fully cooperating with the police. According to the Cherokee County Sheriff Frank Reynolds, he said that the shooter told authorities his actions were not racially motivated and that, in fact, he had a sex addiction. All three spas that were shot up were listed on an erotic review site that allows users to search for and review illicit massage parlors. The site is the most popular of its kind where buyers who call themselves hobbyists or mongers looking for sex go to find and share information, according to a study by Polaris, a nonprofit group that operates the National Human Trafficking Line. Aromatherapy Spa and Gold Spa, both in Atlanta, have around 100 reviews, many recent. A review for Gold Spa on March 9th indicated it was full service, as did a similar review from five days prior. Young's Asian Massage in Ackworth, Georgia, has 39 reviews on this particular site, the latest posted in February. Apparently, there is no criminal record for the shooter. In 2019, the shooter's parents reported him missing when he ran off with his girlfriend. Authorities note in the 2019 report, his parents said that the shooter was not suicidal, didn't take any medication, and had no mental illness. Okay, so here is the sheriff discussing what was the possible motive here. The sheriff says that this may have been about the shooter having a sex addiction and then wanting to shoot sex workers as a result of his sex addiction and guilt over his sex addiction, which, of course, is a tremendous act of evil. Um, But he says we are not sure at this point whether this, in fact, is a hate crime or not, whether this was targeting Asians or whether he was doing this act of evil out of some other motivation. He made uh, indicators that um, uh, he has uh, some some issues, uh, potentially uh, sexual addiction and um, uh, may have frequented some of these places in the past. But the working theory is a sexual addiction issue rather than a a, a racial profile. Uh, uh, During our interviews, uh, we asked that specific question, and uh, and that did not appear to be uh, the motive. Okay, and this, of course, is not what our media wanted to hear. What our media wanted to hear is that this was just the latest outgrowth of a spate of anti-Asian hate that has swept the nation in 2020-2021. Since the outbreak of the pandemic, there has been a spike in anti-Asian hate crime. But what the media would like to say is that this is because of President Trump and this is because of white hate for Asian Americans. The reality is that the media do not care about anti-Asian hate. They've not cared about anti-Asian hate for a very long time. They only care about anti-Asian hate as just another way of ripping, quote unquote, whiteness or whipping, ripping Trump. The fact of the matter is, unfortunately, all anti-Asian hate, all racism is bad, but only certain types of racism are bad, according to the left. Now, all animals are equal, but only some animals are more equal than others. 
That's the way that it works in left bill. So when it comes to the left and anti-Asian hate, they only care about anti-Asian hate when it can be attributed to whiteness or to a broader white supremacy or to something else. And they don't need evidence to actually show this. Okay, there's an actual CNN headline. I'm not kidding you. There's a CNN headline today that is so beyond the pale that it just demonstrates exactly where the media's head is at when it comes to this thing. Now, again, we don't know the motive in in this particular case yet. It could very well be that this guy was driven by anti-Asian animus. It could very well be that, but that's not what the police are saying right now. Joe Biden, still having a, a, a tiny portion of his brain left functional, said this yesterday. He said, I'm gonna wait to attribute motive. His party didn't say this. Here was the president of the United States yesterday, which actually saying a responsible thing, good for him. The investigation is ongoing and the question of motivation is still to be determined. But whatever the motivation here, I know that Asian Americans are in very, uh, very concerned. But I'm making no connection at this moment to the motivation of what the of the killer. I'm waiting for an answer from as the investigation proceeds from the FBI. So honestly, good for good for Biden. Good for credit where credit is due. President Biden saying that he's going to wait for more information is what a responsible politician would do or what a responsible media would do. Unfortunately, we don't have a lot of responsible politicians on the left, and we have apparently no one who is responsible in our establishment media. This is an actual headline from CNN. White supremacy and hate are haunting Asian Americans. And then underneath is the analysis. It's immaterial whether the accused killer in the Atlanta spa shootings admits to a racist motivation. Asian Americans have been living in fear for months. It's immaterial? Really? So the facts are immaterial, is the way that you're putting this. It's completely immaterial what actually happened in this particular case. We have a narrative, and the narrative must be pushed. And the narrative is, of course, that the uptick in racial crimes against Asian Americans are being driven specifically by white supremacy, and they are being driven by whiteness more broadly. Now, understand, when the left says white supremacy, the left doesn't actually mean actual honest-to-God white supremacists who are overtly racist and believe in the supremacy of the white race. They don't mean that. They mean Ibram X. Kendi-type whiteness or Ibram X. Kendi type white supremacy in that you do not agree with the baseline reality that the left wishes to purport. And therefore, you are somehow broadly guilty of crimes in which you yourself did not engage. That is why they don't need actual evidence that this particular shooter was actually a white supremacist to attribute his actions to white supremacy. Because you see, white supremacy is broader than just being a white supremacist, right? In order normally for a normal person to attribute a shooting crime to a white supremacist, the person has to be a white supremacist. Like, for example, when there was a, a shooting at the West Valley JCC when I was a kid, it was done by an actual honest-to-God white supremacist, and you could actually name the guy, you could look at the groups he was a member of, the Tree of Life synagogue shooting, right? That was an actual white supremacist crime, and you could tell because the guy was an actual white supremacist, right? Same thing at the Chabad of Poway shooting in the last couple of years, right? You can tell when people are over white supremacists, usually they're pretty obvious and clear about it, but the left wants to attribute this more broadly to the problem of whiteness, not just white supremacists, but white supremacy, which they say means the system as a whole, the system as a whole is responsible, and particularly white people are responsible for this. So they broadened out the terminology here. Now, let's just be clear on this. We don't know the motive here. And also, if we are going to examine the uptick in anti-Asian hate crime, we might actually, at some point, you know, want to actually look at like the stats. We might want to look at who is, per- who is actually purveying crime against Asians in the United States. So the most recent statistics that I have seen where we actually have stats broken down by the, by the race of the offender, right? Hate crime stats broken down by the race of the offender is from the Bureau of Justice Statistics circa 2018. So unless this wildly changed in 2020, which seems somewhat unlikely to me, could happen, but I think it's somewhat unlikely. 
unless that wildly changed, this is a fairly good indicator of exactly who is committing crimes against Asian Americans in the United States, hate crimes against Asian Americans. And when people say, well, we, data is not racist, data is just data. So if you don't like the data, that would be your problem. Okay, so the Bureau of Justice Statistics, 2018, we're now looking in the line that says victim, race, ethnicity, Asian, right? You're a victim of an anti-Asian hate crime. So according to the Bureau of Justice Statistics, there are 182,230 violent incidents against Asian Americans on the basis of race, right? Uh, by victim and offender, race or ethnicity. Percent of violent incidents by victim and offender, race or ethnicity. The offender's race or ethnicity against Asians, the offender's race or ethnicity, 24.1% of the people who victimized Asians were Asian. 7% of people who victimized Asians were Hispanic. 24.1% of people who victimized Asians were white. 27.5% of people who victimized Asians were black. Okay, this is according to the percent of violent incidents by victim and offender status. Right, that is, that is the, the latest stat that is available to me showing who's perpetrating violence against Asians in the United States. And actually, those stats are kind of stunning because virtually every other racial group, the vast majority of people who commit crimes against a racial group are members of the own racial group, right? If you're looking at people who are victims, if you're looking at offenders against white Americans, 62.1% of all white Americans who are victimized by violent incidents are victimized by other white people. In the black community, something like 70.3%, same table, 70.3% of all crimes, violent crimes committed against black Americans are committed by black people. Among Hispanic Americans, 45.4% of all crimes committed against Hispanic people are committed by Hispanic people. But among Asians, but among Asians, Asian Americans are only, they, they rank like third in terms of the racial groups that victimize Asians, which is really weird. And number one is black Americans victimizing Asian Americans, according to the 2018 Bureau of Justice Statistics. So normally what you'd want to do when you look at a rise in anti-Asian hate crime is look at the source of the anti-Asian hate crime. But the problem is our media don't actually want to do that because if our media do that, what they might discover is that the source of a lot of the anti-Asian hate crimes are actually coming from another minority group, namely the black community. The same thing has happened with anti-Semitic hate crimes in the United States. A huge number of anti-Semitic hate crimes in the United States are not attributable to white supremacists. A huge percentage of anti-Jewish hate crimes in the United States are attributable to black Americans and frankly are very often not charged as such because it's uncomfortable for prosecutors to point out that black Americans are capable of committing hate crimes. We've seen these hate crimes occur, right? We've seen a lot of these hate crimes actually occur on tape. For example, in San Jose, there was a, a pretty terrible incident that was caught on tape just a couple of weeks ago in which a black perpetrator just started beating the hell essentially out of an Asian person. And there was an anti-Asian hate crime in Seattle not all that long ago in which you really had to dig to get to the, the point where you actually found the race of the perpetrator. But it turns out that the race of the perpetrator, the, the perpetrator happened to be a black person. Okay, the media will not mention the race of the perpetrator in these cases if the perpetrator happens to be black. Now, here's my rule. If you are perpetrating a hate crime, I do not care about your race. You are doing something evil. But the media do deeply care about the race because if they suggest that maybe anti-Asian hate crime should always be treated the same, well, what this would mean is that we would have to look at racism outside of white Americans. And what they want to do is say that whiteness writ large is really the problem here. They want to say whiteness writ large is really the problem. Now, here's the thing. Anti-Asian hate crimes in the United States apparently year on year rose about 150% in major U.S. cities. This is according to CBS News. A new study based on police department statistics across major United States cities found a nearly 150% surge in anti-Asian hate crimes in 2020, while overall hate crimes fell by 7%. 
The numbers reflect a growing trend of discrimination against Asian Americans during the coronavirus pandemic. Now, again, there are some confounds here. It's difficult to tell whether this is because Americans are angry at Asian people on the basis of, of COVID or whether it just turns out that a lot of people are home and a lot of people don't have jobs. And this results in an increase in violence in particular areas of particular cities. Right? It's difficult to attribute COVID motivation to all of this. And I'm yet to I, I'm not really aware that there's been a study that's been done linking it. I'm, it's possible. I'm just not aware there's a study that's explicitly linked this stuff. The report released this week by the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism at CSU San Bernardino examined hate crimes in 16 of America's largest cities and found the first spikes rose alongside COVID-19 cases in March and April. New York City saw the highest jump, rising from 3 to 28. Boston and L.A. followed with increases from 6 to 14 and 7 to 15, respectively. Hate incidents defined by the DOJ as acts of prejudice that aren't crimes are also on the rise. And some of these people are, are suggesting that this is because of anti-Asian sentiment in the aftermath of COVID. But some of it is not about that, presumably. Some of this is, may just be about people who don't have jobs, who are, who are now home doing bad things to other people. But again, the way that the media have decided to treat this is, though, is, that, is, is, so, is that American whiteness, American white supremacy is responsible for this increase in anti-Asian American sentiment. And they're going to use this latest shooting in Atlanta in order to push forward that narrative. The shooting is an act of evil no matter what. Okay, the guy who committed the shooting is a piece of crap who should be executed. Okay, the person killed people, should go to death row, should be executed. And if the person is a white supremacist, that is a good indicator that white supremacy, like actual, honest to God, white supremacy is evil. But that's not the case that the media would like to make. The media would like to make the case that America more broadly is responsible for all of this. Anti-Asian hate only matters under certain circumstances for the media. Not two weeks ago, Yahoo News ran a piece titled Anti-Asian Violence Has Been Rampant. Here's why it's not always a hate crime. It's a mystery. Why? Wait, wait till you hear why they say some anti-Asian violence is not a hate crime. We'll get to this in just one second. First, spring is springing as we speak. It is the perfect reminder to tidy up and get your life in order. Why not start by protecting your family with life insurance? Policy Genius can help you compare top insurers in one place and save 50% or more. Once you find your best option, the Policy Genius team will set up your new policy for you and answer any questions you have along the way. Here's how you can get started. First, you head on over to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much coverage you need. You can compare quotes to find your best price. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare policies from as little as 15 bucks a month. You might even be eligible to skip that in-person medical exam. Since their licensed agents work for you, not the insurance companies, there is zero hassle. If you hit any speed bumps during the application process, Policy Genius will take care of everything. That kind of service has earned Policy Genius a five-star rating across thousands of reviews on Trustpilot and Google. The best part? All the benefits of Policy Genius, the comparison tool, the handling of paperwork, the unbiased device, all totally free to use. So while you're tidying up around the house this spring, why not get your life insurance organized as well? You could save 50% or more by comparing quotes. Feel good knowing if something happens, your loved ones will be taken care of. Go to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice and quite important to get it right. Okay, so Yahoo News talks about anti-Asian violence, and they say it's not always a hate crime. Why is it not always a hate crime? Because it depends on who does it. And according to Yahoo News, as the recent wave of attacks on older Asian Americans prompts calls for action and activism, experts urge the use of precise, accurate language in discussing the violence. Weird how all of the urges to use precise and accurate language in describing the violence have gone completely out the window the moment that you have a story where the media are seeking to suggest that whiteness more broadly is responsible for anti-Asian violence. The robberies and assaults in several big city Chinatowns have led to significant media coverage and outcry from activists, many of whom have labeled the incidents hate crimes. But recent higher profile cases that have gone viral on social media aren't being investigated as such, law enforcement officials say. Officials say the occurrences don't show signs of being racially motivated. 
Well, you know what's an incident that doesn't show signs yet of being racially motivated is this latest one in Atlanta. That's not stopping the media. Social media posts have conflated violence against people who are Asian American with hate crimes against the community at large, tying the crimes to pandemic-related racism. Some sources have declared a spike in hate crimes, citing an astronomical increase, but the figure they refer to specifically reflects New York City and New York police data obtained by NBC Asian America, which showed three anti-Asian hate crimes in 2019 and 28 last year. No hate crimes were reported this year so far. Other sources refer to 18 incidents this year involving Asian Americans in Alameda County, California, but local law enforcement said there's no proof any of them have been racially motivated. In San Francisco, six hate crimes were reported in 2019, nine the following year. In 2021, the city reported one hate crime. Not all cities reflected increases. Washington, D.C. reported a decrease. Okay, but where exactly, why, why exactly is, is the media now getting sensitive about anti-Asian hate crime reporting? Because there was a spate of videos that came out that showed, a, that, that showed unfortunately, black Americans victimizing Asian Americans. And so as soon as those videos hit the internet, you started to see articles crop up about how this isn't really anti-Asian animus. It's just sort of normal crime. That, that is... If a hate crime is a hate crime, then a hate crime is a hate crime. Racism can come from any end of the spectrum, but you have to understand that according to leftist worldview, it cannot come from any end of the spectrum. See, racism is only capable of being attributed to white people because it has to be white people because white people have power and racism without power is not racism. This is something we have learned from the racist left. The, the reason that this matters to the left is because the left only treats Asian Americans as a victimized minority sometimes. In the same way, they only treat Jews as a victimized minority, sometimes. When a Jew in Williamsburg has the hell beat out of him by a black guy on the street, that is not considered a hate crime by folks on the left. When a Jew gets shot at the Free of Life Synagogue by a white supremacist, this is a hate crime, according to the left. Now, in my view, both are hate crimes. Hey, first of all, I, I, I have some rather serious legal objections to the terminology of hate crime in and of themselves, because all crimes, in, in essence, are motivated by hate and disregard for the humanity of the other person you're committing a crime against. But so long as we are having a category called hate crime, the, the guy walking down the street in a yarmulke who has the crap beat out of him by a guy walking down the street who happens to be black, that's, that's just as much of a hate crime as somebody doing that if they were a white supremacist, but not according to our wonderful, wonderful media. And this is why you see folks like Ibram Kendi tweeting out about these, about these hate crimes. He tweeted out, locking arms with Asian Americans facing this lethal struggle and facing this legal, lethal wave of anti-Asian terror, their struggle is my struggle. Our struggle is against racism and white supremacist domestic terror. Oh, is, is that what's happening here? So you guys are struggling against exactly the same thing. Interesting. Interesting take. Ibram X. Kendi. I, I, I particularly liked the take from Liz Plank, feminist fabulous. She tweeted, white masculinity fetishizes and dehumanizes Asian women and is intrinsically tied to racism. It's crucial we don't erase the way that misogyny and racism operate together to justify killing Asian women. So you see, even if there's no proof in this particular case that this evil piece of crap who committed the shooting actually was anti-Asian, we can still say that it's anti-Asian white supremacy without any evidence at all. Now, here's the thing. They're wildly inconsistent on the left as to exactly when Asians ought to be treated as a victimized minority and when they ought not to be treated as a victimized minority. Let's take, for example, the wonderful and brilliant Nicole Hannah-Jones, the de facto editor-in-chief of the New York Times. So Nicole Hannah-Jones, who is the creator of the Garbage 1619 Project, the fictionalized history of the United States, on August 13th of last year, she tweeted out, quote, most Asian Americans arrived in this country after the end of legal segregation and discrimination, thanks to the black resistance struggle. Yale has direct ties to slavery. 
Further, the DOJ is not going after the segregated and unequal schools that black children attend. This was her objecting to the fact that Trump's DOJ had gone after Yale for openly discriminating against Asian Americans. See, the left is fine with anti-Asian hate so long as it's directed at prospective college students. They are fine with anti-Asian hate so long as it's directed at high-achieving kids in merit-based public high schools. Nicole Hannah-Jones said, I did not say no Asian people immigrated here prior to 65. I said most in this country did not because of the Chinese Exclusion Act and a racist immigration quota system. That means most present-day Asian Americans did not experience legal discrimination here. Right? So in other words, Asian Americans are not a victimized minority in Nicole Hannah-Jones' view. But as soon as there is a shooting, and they can tie this to, in some way, without any evidence, white supremacy, then Nicole Hannah-Jones tweets out, even as this country was recruiting Chinese men to come do the labor, white workers would not. They barred Chinese women from entering the U.S. in order to ensure the men would not settle and start families in America. So now they're a victimized minority. So here's the thing. Asian Americans were historically a victimized minority. They've also taken advantage of the fact that America is a wonderful meritocracy to become the most successful subgroup in American life, economically speaking. These two things are not mutually exclusive. Asian Americans did not stop being the victims of hate simply because they are economically successful any more than Jews stopped being the victims of hate because they were economically successful. But according to the left, these two things are mutually exclusive. So essentially, a, a light wave, it, basically Asian Americans and Jewish Americans are like the light waves of physics. Are they a wave or are they a particle? It completely depends on the lens with which you view them. If a white person victimizes a Jew or victimizes an Asian American, then they're a victimized minority. If those people are being victimized by either a racist admissions system or by black Americans or by any other minority Americans, then those people are part of the of the overgroup. Then they are part of the white American superstructure. The the inconsistency is is essentially I mean it's mind blowing, but it is perfectly predictable. And again, this is part of a broader agenda. And part of the broader agenda is to suggest that the system itself is responsible for anti-Asian hate crimes. And something bad happens to an Asian, that's because of America. When something bad happens to a Jew, that's because of, because of America. Unless the person who happens to be victimizing an Asian or a Jew is not a white person. In which case, it's just sort of a random thing that happened. And we, we don't really pay too much attention to that because it doesn't support the narrative. Again, none of this is not a single word I've said here is to downplay the specific evil that was done in Atlanta, and we still don't know the motive. And if it turns out the guy was a white supremacist, then we should blame white supremacy. But otherwise, it's going to be kind of hard to prove that white supremacy was responsible for the crime when you don't have evidence of that. Well, the, the, Joe, while Joe Biden is saying that he is going to hold off on, on attributing motive in this particular shooting, Jen Psaki is not. Jen Psaki is simply saying that without evidence, Trump saying Chinese virus is what spurred this wave of hate crimes. Again, I've yet to be made aware of exactly the motivations of people who have, or even the race of the people who have been committing these hate crimes against Asian Americans over the course of the last year, but that's not stopping Jen Psaki. Evidence is of no consequence here. I think there's no question that uh, some of the damaging rhetoric uh, that we saw uh, during the prior administration, uh, blaming, uh, you know, calling COVID, uh, you know, the Wuhan virus or other things, um, uh, led to, um, you know, um, perceptions of the Asian American community that are inaccurate, unfair, uh, have uh, raised, um, you know, threatening, uh, have, has elevated threats against uh, Asian Americans. And we're seeing that uh, around the country. Yeah, Kamala Harris is saying the same thing. She's saying, we stand with you in the face of anti-Asian hate crimes. They don't stand with Asian Americans when it comes to whether your kids can go to school. But they're definitely standing with you now, now that they can suggest that it's America writ broadly that is racist against Asian Americans, just not we who specifically are discriminating against Asian Americans. Here is Kamala Harris, the vice president. I do want to say to our Asian American community that we stand with you and understand 
how this has frightened and shocked and outraged um, all people, but knowing the, the increasing level of hate crime against our Asian American um, brothers and sisters, we also want to speak out in um, solidarity with them and, and acknowledge that none of us should ever be silent in the face of any form of hate. You should definitely not be silent in the form of discrimination against any form of discrimination against Asian Americans. Like say, for example, the colleges were overtly discriminating against Asian Americans and not allowing them in because they were performing too well on standardized tests. Then you definitely want to stand up and say something about it, wouldn't you? Quote, Biden DOJ drops lawsuit claiming Yale discriminates against white nation students. This is February 2021. The Department of Justice on Wednesday dropped a Trump-era lawsuit alleging Yale University discriminated against white and Asian applicants, backing away from former President Trump's fight against college affirmative action policies. This is according to Forbes. The DOJ filed a request to dismiss in federal court in Connecticut, effectively ending a four-month-old legal gambit, claiming Yale's admissions officers disadvantaged white and Asian students by placing too much weight on applicants' race. A DOJ spokesperson told Forbes its decision was made in light of all available facts, circumstances, and legal developments. Federal officials will continue a three-year-old investigation into Yale's admissions practices. They are no longer alleging the school broke civil rights laws at all. So totally fine for Yale to discriminate against Asian students. Meanwhile, same week back in February, the San Francisco school board voted to end merit-based admissions at Lowell High. They moved the school into a lottery system. Why did they do that? Because too many Asian Americans based on merit were getting into Lowell High. According to KGO, on Tuesday night, San Francisco's Board of Education voted to end the merit-based admission at Lowell, a top academic high school. The issue has been an emotional lightning rod within the district, Lowell's alumni, community, residents of San Francisco, the Bay Area, and beyond. The vote followed hours of public comment and discussion via Zoom. The vote was 5-2 to two in favor of changing Lowell's admission policy. In October, because of the pandemic, the San Francisco School Board proposed eliminating selective merit-based admission at Lowell for one school year. When racist incidents resurfaced at the high school last month, the board quickly proposed a resolution to make the change permanent. At the, according to California School Dashboard, 50% of the students at Lowell, again, this is merit-based, are Asian. 18% are white, 12% Latino, 2% African-American. So what did they decide to do? They decided too many Asians here, got to stop it. And so they moved out. They moved against it. Meanwhile, in New York City, Mayor Bill de Blasio has been moving for years to stop Asians from getting into New York City's elite high schools. In fact, his plan was to basically shut down high schools rather than allow there to be elite high schools at which Asian Americans were overrepresented. So active discrimination, active discrimination against Asian Americans is a core part of the Democratic platform. That seems like anti-Asian hate to me, frankly. If you're saying that a person can't get into school because they are performing too well, because they don't have the right race, that is anti-Asian discrimination. That is anti-Asian hate. That's a lot more hateful, frankly than suggesting that a virus that came from China is in fact a Chinese virus. Okay, but according to the left, racism against Asian Americans is fine so long as it comports with their agenda, and it is not fine when they are allowed to use it as a brickbat with which to club the United States more broadly, which is how you end up with pieces like this one from The Root. Okay, there's a guy named Damon Young. It's an insane piece. He wrote, he wrote this piece yesterday. Whiteness is a pandemic. Quote, I don't have much to add here today that hasn't already been said. Whiteness is a public health crisis. Whiteness. Remember, this is not about white supremacy, like in its classic definition anymore. This is not about white people believing they are superior to other races. Whiteness itself is a pandemic. It shortens life expectancies. It pollutes air. It constricts equilibrium. It devastates forests. It melts ice caps. It sparks and funds wars. It flattens dialects. It infests consciousnesses. And it kills people. White people and people who are not white, my mom included, there will be people who die in 2050 because of white supremacy-induced decisions from 1850. The whole system has to be torn down. 
And it doesn't matter whether you can actually identify the white supremacy in any particular incident. Everything bad that happens on planet Earth is due to whiteness. All of it is due to whiteness because whiteness is buried in the superstructure. Whiteness is at the root of the tree that is the civilization. And so every bad fruit of that tree is because the root itself is rotten. A line cannon should be drawn from the actions of the white supremacist who walked into three Atlanta-area massage parlors yesterday and allegedly killed eight people, six of whom were of Asian descent, to the relentless anti-Asian rhetoric pollinating national discourse over the past year. Based on, based on what? Damon Young. You, you going to provide any evidence of this? The former president and the party of the former president, Cannon, should be blamed for this and the sudden increase of racist violence against Asian Americans. The line doesn't stop there. It extends back 400 years and has tentacles clawing everywhere white white supremacy exists here in America, which is everywhere. There's a line connecting this act of terror to the 11 people killed at the Tree of Life Synagogue in 2018, the nine people killed at the Emanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church in 2015, of course. Well, first of all, you'd have to show the evidence of that. Those were actual overtly white supremacist acts of terrorism. We don't know the answer on this one. It may be, but we don't know that yet. In fact, there was a, a tweet yesterday that was, that was particularly illuminating. I believe it was from Ibram Kendi. And his suggestion was that it does not matter. I'm sorry, not, it was not Ibram Kendi. It was Michael Harriet, who also writes for The Root. He tweeted, quote, there will never be any data that says racial violence is because of white supremacy because most white supremacists don't think they are white supremacists. So in other words, we don't actually have to prove white supremacy at any point. We don't even have to listen to the motivations of people who are, who, are, who are committing these acts. All we have to do is just attribute white supremacy to them because they don't know their own minds. That is complete unfalsifiable nonsense. Just absolutely unfalsifiable nonsense. But that, of course, is the point. So back to this piece from this writer Damon Young at, at The Root. I just have to read you the end of this piece. White supremacy is a virus that, like other viruses, will not die until there are no bodies left for it to infect which means the only way to stop it is to locate it, isolate it, extract it, and kill it. I guess a vaccine could work too, but we've had 400 years to develop one, so I won't hold my breath. I don't even know what the hell that is supposed to mean. This is a contributing opinion writer for the New York Times. I do not understand what that is supposed to mean. There are no more bodies left for, I mean, are you talking about killing white people? Like what, I I honest to God, don't know what that means. Maybe it doesn't mean that, but I read to you verbatim that paragraph. I don't know what it means. Here is what I do know. What I do know is that the left does not give two dams about anti-Asian discrimination in education. They don't care about anti-Asian discrimination in the workplace. They don't care about anti-discrimination in virtually every area of life where Asians are considered part of the broad white majority because they are, quote unquote, too successful. They don't care about Asians who are beat up by particular members of particular races. They only care about anti-Asian hate when it becomes a convenient point for them to try and, and plant the notion that America is, is a white supremacist country. By the way, if America is such a terribly white supremacist country, one indicator is not a particularly white supremacist country overall would be that the single greatest economically performing subgroup in America are Asian Americans. Okay, so none of this makes any sense. But again, it doesn't have to make sense. Any, Any club that can be wielded against the foundational ideas of America, the meritocracy, the, the freedoms of America, any idea that can be wielded against that, any incident without evidence that can be wielded against that, that can be attributed to quote-unquote whiteness, and whiteness means all the institutions, according to the left, not according to me. I'm not a racist, so I don't think that our institutions are quote-unquote white. I don't think that freedom is a white idea. I don't think that it's a, I think freedom is a civilized idea. I don't think individual rights are a white idea. Only the left thinks that crap. But what the left is trying to do, as always, is have it both ways. They always want it both ways. There's only one, there's one set of rules that applies to people who are 
higher ranking on the intersectional hierarchy who get apparently to victimize Asian Americans whenever they want. And then there is a second set of rules that applies to a society that is not even responsible for this particular act or for an independent white supremacist movement, an actual white supremacist movement that commits acts of evil at every available turn. Again, it's the same way they treat anti-Semitism. The way they treat anti-Semitism is it only exists if you can try to plant it on the right. Meanwhile, we will back every anti-Semite we can find in Congress so long as they have a D next to their name. That's the way this works. It's cynical and it's gross and it does not fight hate and it does not mitigate against hate. If we're not fighting all hate the same way, then you're not actually fighting hate, are you? In just a second, we'll get to how this is now infusing our government, how it has infused our culture, this, this basic theory that, that America is a racist country and all sins can be attributed to that racist country, but we must never attribute sinfulness or, or racism to individuals who are of victimized heritage in the United States. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, fellas, the sport of business means demanding excellence from your craft and wardrobe. Your fits need to be versatile. We're talking about blending timeless style and comfort so you look as good as you feel for that. There is cuts of clothing. Let me just tell you, I only wear cuts t-shirts. They've taken a classic men's fashion staple, the plain tee. They've refined it, combining premium quality with a minimalist aesthetic. Cuts shirts, polos, hoodies, crew sweatshirts. They're made for the man who works hard, plays hard, and never settles for less, all in the sport of business. They're built for performance in the boardroom, the bar, or the gym. Cuts clothing. Keeps you sharp wherever the game takes you. Take a plain tee, make a Tony Stark. The bleeding edge of fabric technology meets the man confident enough to wear it. Cuts. It's the perfect t-shirt. Next, Cuts is set out to create fabric uniquely engineered for each clothing style. They've got the new Cuts hoodie. They developed Hyperloop, French terry fabric, a textile that is temperature controlled and ageless as well. You're not going to need to take it off. You certainly won't want to. It is excellent. Or try the wrinkle-free Pika Polo, a design that keeps you fitted for the office, the golf course, at home, the gym, or your next hot date. Cuts is premium with a purpose. Again, I only wear Cuts clothing when I'm wearing a t-shirt. It is not just a lifestyle. It's not just clothing. It's office leisure apparel for the sport of business. Get 15% off your first order by going to cutsclothing.com slash Shapiro. That is cutsclothing.com slash Shapiro for 15% off the only shirt worth wearing. Go check them out right now. Okay, we're going to get into more of this, how critical race theory, which is really what we're talking about here, that racism only counts sometimes, and it depends on who is doing the racism and the evidence required for racism. The standard of evidence changes radically depending on who you can blame for the alleged racism. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, there is a buzz in the air here at The Daily Wire. Candace Owens filmed the first episode of her brand new show yesterday. It's all anyone in the office can talk about this morning. It looks spectacular. Candace is great. Folks, you're going to love it. It is unlike any other Daily Wire show that you've ever seen before. Candace premieres tomorrow. If you want a sneak peek of her new show, and why wouldn't you? Join Candace Owens and the rest of the Daily Wire gang tonight for a special edition of Backstage. We're going to discuss Candace's new show, as well as the big picture issues affecting our nation, Joe Biden's terrifying accomplishments, Cardi B's incredible, profound Grammy performance. Join Candace and the rest of the crew live at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. here in Nashville at dailywire.com or the Daily Wire YouTube channel to be part of the conversation. And do not forget, Candace premieres tomorrow. It is exclusive to Daily Wire members. It's not available to everybody in the world. You have to be a member. You're going to want to see it. It is awesome. If you aren't a member yet, be sure to join now. Make sure you don't miss a single episode of Candace. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace for 25% off. That is dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use code Candace. Get 25% off. You're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. This theory of the United States, that the United States is deeply racist, therefore, if a white person in the United States does an indubitably bad thing, it must be attributable to racism without any evidence. You're not actually to show the evidence. It can just be attributed to the system more broadly, not even to specific white supremacist beliefs, but to the system more broadly. But 
that if an Asian is beat up by a black person on the streets of New York, that that does not count as a hate crime because racism only counts sometimes or it's not racism. Or even if that does happen, that in and of itself is attributable to the system in which people live. And therefore, it's still whiteness to blame. This sort of mentality has now infused all areas of our government. When Joe Biden talks about equity in American government, this is what he is talking about. This is why today, Emily Zanotti reporting at The Daily Wire, the State Department is, quote unquote, racing to address 232-year-old problem of, quote unquote, entrenched whiteness. Do you notice how the, the terminology has changed here? Right? We went from, like, virtually all terms in American politics, we now have laundering of language. Right? So it starts off as white supremacy. White supremacy is rooted in white supremacism, right? It's rooted in the idea that white people are inherently superior to other races. Then people decided that that wasn't enough because that didn't apply to a broad enough class of people. You couldn't indict the entire system with that because the vast majority of Americans don't believe that crap. So instead they said white supremacy just means the system. Then people were like, yeah, but that doesn't sound like white supremacy. That just sounds like the system. So they said whiteness. So now whiteness is the problem, which sounds super racist, right? Whiteness is the problem. Imagine if someone said blackness is the problem and you understand just how racist that is off the tip of your tongue, right? But according to our entire government now, whiteness is the problem. So according to the Daily Wire, the Department of Defense is not the only cabinet level agency undergoing a woke makeover. According to Politico, the State Department is also wrestling with its identity and quote unquote racing to address a 232 year history of quote unquote entrenched whiteness. According to Politico, Antony Blinken's State Department is racing to address a 232-year-old problem, the overwhelming and entrenched whiteness of the nation's oldest government agency. The department's 23,000 or so American staff may be the global face of America, but they don't look like it, and the gap is growing, not shrinking by many metrics. Though 40% of the American population is from a racial or ethnic minority, only 13% of the department's senior executive service are people of color, said Ambassador Gina Abercrombie Winstanley, a career diplomat. It was more diverse in 1986, literally, than it is now, says Eric Rubin, president of the American Foreign Service Association, which represents the department's diplomats. According to Politico, President Joe Biden has pledged to run the most diverse government ever that involves rethinking and reformatting some of the most significant governmental institutions. Blinken has submitted a report on the State Department's diversity and inclusion program. Now, can they name a procedure inside the State Department that is overtly discriminating against non-white people? I have significant doubts they can because that violates the Civil Rights Act of 1965. So instead... They are simply saying that it is discriminatory on the basis that there are not enough members of particular races in particular positions, which inherently means because this is a zero-sum game, there's only one person who can get each job. What that means is that they're going to be people who are left out of the job on the basis not of merit, but on the basis of race, which is in fact racial discrimination. This is the same logic that is used by the left when it comes to college admissions. It's the reason they're shutting down high schools because there are quote-unquote too many Asians. Although the report was focused on the agency's issues, it also proposed solutions, including hiring a chief diversity and inclusion officer, yes, this always solves the problem, to quote-unquote advance and align DNI policies across the department, bring transparency to these initiatives, and hold senior leadership accountable on progress. The State Department is committed to educating its workforce on anti-racism. Remember, anti-racism is the garbage Robin DiAngelo Ibram Kendi philosophy that suggests that any institution that results in non-equal outcomes by racial group is inherently racist and must be torn to the ground. It is not about whether equal opportunity has been provided. It is not about a meritocracy. Meritocracy is itself racist, according to these same folks. The State Department gave an announcement. They scheduled an instructional Zoom stressing the idea that racism is a threat to national security. The event, titled Racism Being a Threat to National Security and Democracy, featured a range of progressive speakers, including former Democratic Representative Tom Perriello, who currently serves as Executive Director for George Soros's Open Society Foundation, and Center for Constitutional Rights Attorney Diala Shamas and Western State Center Executive Director Eric Ward. 
Secretary Blinken has made it 100% clear he's committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. And again, these are code words for we get to be as racist as we want to be so long as what we are attempting to do is do this work on behalf of only particular minority groups in the United States. I promise you that if there is an outsized surge of Asian Americans in the State Department, that is not going to be counted by the Biden administration as sufficiently diverse. This has infused our government. This ideology has infused our corporations. Deloitte and Touche has now told employees that microaggressions are a punishable offense. According to Daily Wire, during a mandatory anti-racism training, U.S. employees at Deloitte were introduced to the company's new quote-unquote anti-racist culture. Employees were told they are expected to help cultivate the quote-unquote anti-racist culture when working with personnel and clients and to promote equity. How is equity defined? Quote, the outcome of diversity, inclusion, and anti-oppression, wherein all people have fair access, opportunity, resources, and power. So why is equity different from equality? Because equality doesn't take into account the historical and systemic barriers and privileges of certain racial groups, which is, of course, the point, right? The idea here is that if you provide equal opportunity, that doesn't take into account historic discrimination. Because of historic discrimination, we have to discriminate in the here and now. This is the Ibram McKendi has said this, right? He says, discrimination in the past can only be remedied by discrimination today. And discrimination today can only be remedied by discrimination tomorrow. Discrimination forever, you might say. Employees at Deloitte were told that violation of Deloitte's policies could extend to microaggressions. And all U.S. offices are to investigate violations of anti-racist policies. You don't have to be a racist. If you're just not anti-racist, meaning you don't believe that all of America's systems are, are racist, that meritocracy you believe is not racist or individual rights are not racist, this means you may have violated corporate policy over at Deloitte. This ideology has infused all of American government. It's infused corporate America. It is poisonous. It is disgusting. Okay, this ideology, uh, the, the, the supposed anti-racist ideology, which in fact divides us by race and then talks about racial essentialism and then suggests that we have to discriminate. We must discriminate on the basis of race. That causes more hatred. It causes more division. Meanwhile, these same racist leftists, it is racism, these same racist leftists are turning around and attributing to all of American society racism when an incident occurs that may or may not have been a racist incident and that still has nothing to do with mainstream American society. Pretty incredible how this works. So it seems that the term racist, according to the left, is a completely fungible one. Sometimes it is completely inapplicable, just when they decide that it's not applicable. And sometimes it is not only applicable, it is a brick to hurl through whatever window is convenient to hurl the brick through today. And well, I am going to give a shout out here to uh, the best governor in America, my home state governor, Ron DeSantis in Florida. Ron DeSantis announced yesterday that Florida is not going to allow this kind of crappy theory to be taught in public schools in the state of Florida. Here was Governor DeSantis yesterday. Florida civics curriculum will incorporate foundational concepts with the best materials, and it will expressly exclude unsanctioned narratives like critical race theory and other unsubstantiated theories. Let me be clear, there's no room uh, in our classrooms for things like critical race theory. Teaching kids to hate their country and to hate each other is not worth one red cent of taxpayer money. And good for Governor Ron DeSantis, who absolutely is right on this. What you're going to see as the country breaks down is that you're going to see these theories taught in California, but not in Florida. It's just going to exacerbate the national polarization and divide. All righty, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. In the meantime, be sure to check out The Matt Walsh Show, which airs at 1.30 p.m. Eastern over at DailyWire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. 
We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Andrew Clavin Show, The Michael Knowles Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. Thanks for listening. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our assistant director is Pavel Wydowski. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant is Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. An attack on massage parlors in Atlanta is being linked to white supremacy despite a total lack of evidence for the connection. The State Department battles the scourge of entrenched whiteness. Ron DeSantis strikes a blow against the spread of critical race theory. A GoFundMe for Prince Harry and Meghan Markle fails to gain traction somehow. And an article in the Scientific American tries to debunk the case for banning males from female sports, but fails. All of that and so much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. We'll get to more on this in just one second first. Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So, I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 